Welcome back to The Give and Go. I'm your co-host, Reynoso, here with my boy. Saltero. Welcome back, folks. Today, we're going to be talking about Ghana, man. Ghana. Ghana. The, the Black Stars. The Black Star. That Black Star, yes. Yeah. Making their fourth appearance at the World Cup now. They've only made three appearances in the past. In 2006, they went all the way to the round of 16 yeah. versus Brazil, and they lost out. But what's crazy is that wasn't even their best World Cup run, man. Mm-hmm. Because in 2010... They somehow managed to find themselves in a World Cup quarterfinal and were a handball away from being able <laughs> to qualify for the semifinal and be the first African nation in a semifinal. But the Luis Suarez handball happened. The penalty ensues, hits a crossbar, goes out, and Loco Abreu steps up to the spot and makes a beautiful Paneca penalty to kick you out of the tournament. Yeah. That's how Ghana. Lost out on a semifinal position. Dude, that's scarring. That's so much drama. I, what a way. To, that has to be one of the craziest ways to go out in any sport, in any tournament ever. Dude, I really, really, truly am curious. And we might have to plan a give-and-go trip one day to go to Ghana. Mm. And I just want to talk to people. I want to see what they actually think. What's the general consensus yeah. on what happened in that World Cup? Because being Mexican, man, I understand the idea of how we feel about no era penal, mm. you know? It's become such a cultural meme, but at the same time, you can tell it means a lot to these people yeah. the way that game played out. I wonder if in Ghana, if they even talk about it. I don't know. It's scarring, like you said. It can yeah. be something truly traumatizing for a lot of people, bro. Yeah, so where it's like, hush, hush. Yes. You know, we don't talk about that. But if we have any Ghanaian viewers... Please comment down below. Oh, please. What is the general consensus? How do people feel about what happened in 2010? Moving on, in 2014, they had a group stage exit. And since then, that was their last World Cup appearance. Weren't able to get there in 2018. 2022 comes around, and in the second round of qualification, they actually tied for first place with South Africa, who was trying to vie for a potential playoff spot in Africa's qualification. They both got 13 points. Not just that, they both had the same goal differential. Yeah. It was actually the, the amount of goals that Ghana had scored four that ultimately decided them getting that, that spot in the playoff. Yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy. So Ghana was that close to not making it to his World Cup. In the third round of CAF, they get matched up with Nigeria, and they initially have a 0-0 match, I believe, in Ghana. Yep. But then in the second leg, Thomas Partey steps up, scores a goal for Ghana. It then gets tied up. It's 1-1. And because of away goals, Ghana qualifies to the FIFA World Cup, knocking out this true African, you could say powerhouse, Nigeria in the process. Group H is where Ghana lands, where funny enough, they are once again set off to match up against the dreaded Uruguay squad with still some players that remained in that team in 2010, as well as Portugal, Mm. and lastly, South Korea. Right. This is Ghana, bro. This is Ghana. A proud people, a happy people, a passionate people. Showing up to Qatar in 2022, and it'll be good to see them, bro, because honestly, man, there was a time where Ghana was super prominent for the States specifically, for the United States. You remember how Ghana... I, th- I think they knocked the USA out in yeah. the round of 16. Yeah. And then they got matched up with them in their group, the following World Cup. And there was a storyline of like, can we avenge our demons from that Ghana game? Yeah. And it's crazy because avenge they did, man. Avenge they did, managing to get out of that group. And uh, I think defeating Ghana in the process. Yeah. Ghana's been a notable team for me, for us. And I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on them and how you think this team will look going into the tournament. 
I am left a frustrated figure when I think about Ghana, bro, because in my opinion, and this is going to sound a little harsh, but just bear with me, Ghana haven't done anything since 2010, realistically. Sure, they qualified in 2014, but they were terrible. They were horrible, so much so that I was like, I wanted, I wanted that USA-Ghana game to be the way it was in 2010 in that knockout stage because I remembered that. I was, I was so impressed by Ghana. I was like, oh, yeah, no. Ghana's the better team. They deserve to go to that quarterfinal to play Uruguay. The USA did not. So I was hyped. I was so hyped for that game. Dude, Ghana didn't even show up to the tournament, bro. It was, it was that bad in my opinion. And even look outside. Even look outside of the 2014 World Cup. And every single AFCON, and those that happen every two years, Ghana hasn't won a title. And if you're supposed to be one of the bigger teams in Africa and in a continent where the champion gets rotated, it's not like the Premier League or the Champions League where it's just like a handful of teams that win it. I mean, Zambia won it one year, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, how is Ghana not taking that prominence, that dominance we talked about in 2010? How have they not taken that to the pinnacle of African football. That, for me, is a failure. Whatever generation they had that was successful, I guess it was only successful for like two, three years max. Mm -hmm. And for me, like th that, that sucks because to go to a quarterfinal and nearly go to a semifinal, I hate how fleeting it is. And kind of similar to Costa Rica, right? It leaves me frustrated because it just imagine if Ghana just had influx of players over these last eight years. They would have qualified for 2018. That's another thing, dude. They didn't even qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And the way that they qualified for 2022, bro, that is not something that you should be proud of. They made it. They pulled through by the skin of their teeth, bro. And that, 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 again, just sucks. Oddly enough, kind of like Australia, how they just had to go through a weird UAA team and then yep. just get lucky on penalties against Peru. I saw the same thing with Ghana. They got lucky that they scored just slightly more goals than South Africa. And then honestly... I'm shocked that they beat Nigeria over two legs. Absolutely shocked because... Well, they didn't actually beat them. That, well, that's another thing. Yeah, you're right. It waggles. It's just the rule, yeah. Just the, the rule got them through. So in a way, kind of like another lottery. Ghana won the lottery several times, in my opinion, to get here in 2022. And now let's talk about a little bit the football aspect because I'm just saying a lot of factual things. So maybe I have a negative bias towards Ghana, but it's beyond that for me because it always starts with the football. That's why I love this sport. It's why I analyze it in the first place. Dude, this Ghanaian team, at least this form of it, is barely a team. This is a group of 11 individuals who realistically do not know how to play together. And I said I was frustrated at the beginning. I am frustrated because when you look at every single player in their position, there's actual quality. There is good quality on this team. And the way that they're playing is not even getting close to the potential that they could achieve. They didn't actually manage to beat Nigeria. And the fact that they only scored one goal more than South Africa just <laughs> is crazy to me. Man. Like yeah. they, they made it here just barely, bro, crawling the way to the World Cup. And it's frustrating because they do have talent, bro. I mean, let's start with the Inaki Williams situation, bro. Yeah. The the new signing, the new player that's yeah. joining Ghana all of a sudden, switching from what once was a uh, Spanish blood, transitioning over to a Ghanaian blood, and finding a way to now be a part of this team. Inaki Williams is an impressive player. I'm actually very impressed by him because, bro, his streak of 
starts, his ability to play oh, yeah. games and be healthy yeah. is something that has been unseen in the world of football, bro. Yeah, he, had, he broke the La Liga record for consecutive game appearances in a row. It's crazy. I think yeah. it's like eight consecutive seasons yeah, where he didn't some miss a single like game and he started every single one or some shit like that. Yeah. It's insane. So that already just tells me that you get a completely secure, reliable player. But what are they going to do with him, man? Right. What are they going to do, bro? You got Otto Addo leading this team as coach. You got some great talents in Thomas Partey, at Marte at center back. Uh, you still have a veteran presence in Jordan Ayew. Yeah, Andre Ayew too. Andre Ayew, yeah, yeah. Kudus, probably the shining light of this team outside of Partey, who plays at Ajax every single week and is playing really good for them. Yeah. How's he going to use him, man? Because so far, when I watched the Ghanaian team, I actually was shocked when I, like, Look through the squad to remind myself who was on the team because I was like, wait, they have fucking kudos on here? Yeah, bro. But when I would watch them play, I'd be like, who are these guys, bro? Right. They're not playing well at all. They weren't doing anything to get my attention. But then you look at the names and it's a completely different story. What is the story for Ghana, man? Because they're put in a group now where it's going to be very, very tough to be able to get out. If these guys want any chance to be able to compete against the quality of these teams, they're going to have to focus on their chemistry and then maximizing their abilities with playing together. So looking at the lineup as a whole, looking at whatever position you'd like to, what are some positives? Let's start there with what Ghana has at their disposal. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go ahead and start in that central mid position, Thomas Partey, bro. I think he's easily the most skilled player, I think, on this Ghanaian team, but maybe not in an offensive sense. You know, we, we don't have to talk about, he's not going to be the better dribbler than maybe Kudus, but I think from an IQ perspective, his ability on the ball and to distribute, I think if Addo can maximize Partey's influence on this team, that's how they're going to be successful. Because... If he just strings players next to Partey and just says, kind of run around, make runs, see what you can do, Partey's going to be left on an island in that midfield. Partey is best when he has a good partner alongside him that he can combine with and when he has direct runners to feed to on the wings. But if, if, if it gets a little confused out there, then Partey's going to be very ineffective because Partey, at the end of the day, is a team player. He's not going to be an effective individual player. Like, you could put Luka Modric into any team. And he could create. Right, right, he right. could use his skill and benefit the team. Partey's not that type of player. He needs to be in a role and needs to have players around him also in a role. That's when Partey plays his best because at that moment, he knows what he has to do. If he knows that he's going to have a runner behind him, he can turn the defender that's on him and feed it to him. But if he doesn't know where his players are, bro, Partey's just going to be like, he's not going to know where to go. He's not that skilled in that sense. But a determined and knowing Thomas Partey is a very good midfielder. Again, if you can maximize Partey, then I actually think this Ghanaian midfield can be very effective. Yeah, I think the Partey's performance this year has been incredible, man. Leading or being part of that Arsenal machine that has been able to compete for the Premier League title. And it's crazy because it's pretty obvious for Arsenal that if they want any chance to succeed consistently, Thomas Partey has to start for them, man. Yeah. He's become such an important piece of that overall engine. And it's just nuts because that's who Ghana has in their midfield if they want to utilize him, bro. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, like you said, pairing him up with the right guy. And, and that's actually an, uh, what's crazy is that even though Partey, I think, is clearly the best midfielder that Ghana have, dude, he's, he, 
he doesn't even play that consistently for the international team. Whether he has a lot of injuries or if he has a slight knock, he's actually more akin to stay with club than actually go and play for international. So in that sense, there's just no chemistry being built in that midfield. And that's ultimately what I'm getting at. Is And you'll see this is actually a common theme for a lot of these players is Yes, they get called up, and maybe they'll play in big tournaments of AFCON, but outside of that, bro, their appearances are spotty for Ghana in general. And how, do you, how can you build a team like that? How can any coach be expected to build a team if the guys you get are always different, if you can't build any true chemistry? So even though I think Partey is the best midfielder that Ghana have at their disposal, I'm frustrated that he's not playing every single game for Ghana and that he hasn't played every single game for Ghana for the last four years. Because imagine, imagine if Partey had been playing every game since 2018 in this 2022 cycle, he'd, he'd be captaining this side in that midfield. But it's just not the case. It's the exact opposite. He only really appears for big, big games. And then besides that, he not refuses the call up, but he almost just chooses not to play. It yeah, gets really it gets, weird. It's weird because like on one sense though, you could say he's kind of made the right decision because they ended up at the World Cup. They got away yeah. with it. They yeah, they got, they got away, away with, with it. it. But I think it'll get exposed at this tournament. A shining example of what you're talking about, bro, about a player who hasn't actually had a chance to form chemistry with this team. Inyaki Williams, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he stepped in the country yet, bro. I don't think he hasn't even been there yet. <laughs> no, he no. A home game. Yeah, man. So it's like that's who you're gonna have up top potentially starting for you, unless they go with a Fenagian, the, the youngster who's like 19 years old right now. Right. But already, it's so concerning to see these really talented names on the lineup sheet, but play with zero chemistry, man. Zero. Yeah. So continuing with that theme of offensive Ghanaian options, you have Jordan Ayew, who's at Crystal Palace and has been a staple for this Ghanaian team for over a decade Dude, now, yeah, he has. Over a decade. Had some really good heights with this team, being part of, I believe, the 2014 World Cup Ghanaian team. Mm -hmm. But he's a yeah. different player now. He's a little older now. He's a little bit, you could say, washed. If you want to look on the positive side, though, now you have a veteran offensive option. You transition from being a young and youthful, exciting player to being an old but smart vet. Yeah. Could Jordan Ayo potentially find some form and some fitness on that left side, bro? Because he is playing with nothing but youngsters up, up front or with other talents that are much more energetic. So could he play more of a role that's more about being the feeder, more about being the guy that can just put these guys in really good positions, use that veteran leadership to guide the team offensively and to calm them down a little bit, bro, because we know that the World Cup is one of the most nerve-wracking events that the world can offer yeah. to a human being. <laughs> <laughs> If he can just kind of teach these guys in the locker room, kind of guide them and lead them on the field, then maybe he could provide to be a really important part and piece of this Ghanaian team. But when we look at output, when we look at what he can do on the field in order of generating goals and assists, I don't think it's going to be there, man. No, I no, don't. No, 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 no. He might get that one, one opportunity throughout the tournament, but I just don't see it happening consistently enough for them to hope that he can potentially save them in that sense. What sucks is that there really is no depth in that no, winger position no, for no. someone else to come in and potentially take over. It really seems like it's IU's spot because of lack of options. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jordan Ayu will actually start in that left wing or left striker position, whatever you want to call it, for Ghana, simply because he is going to provide that veteran experience up top. But this is where I also get frustrated because you said something that I would actually hope happens. I hope Ayu takes that almost 
teaching role. He gets the ball, and his sole goal is to give it to the youngsters, give it to the players with a little bit more pace, a little bit more want, and then from there, they take over the goal-scoring duties because you're right. I think Ayu has played in every game for Crystal Palace, either starting or off the bench this season, zero goals. Nothing. Bro. <laughs> nothing. nothing. But honestly, that, that has been Ayu's entire career. Like Even at his best, I think Max, he scored like 10 goals, man, as, as a forward. So he's never been a guy that scored a lot of goals. The fact that he's now 32 or 33 years of age means he's going to score even less. And I would love it if he played more of a distributive role out on that wing. Here's the thing, though. When I see Ghana play, they actually rely on him to create everything. Yeah, no. There's a weird reliance on him to be the star forward for Ghana. And it goes back to the idea of team chemistry or team identity. That is not what you should be doing. You should not be asking Jordan Ayu at this age anymore to just get the ball and take it at an entire defense. Maybe when he was like 24 and he had a lot of energy and youthfulness to his game, sure, let him try it, you know, because it's entertaining at the very least, but that simply isn't his game anymore. But I hate that Ghana still ask him to do the same thing that they've been asking him to do for 12 years now there's no progress and for me it's just detrimental to Ghana's offense and the team as a whole would you put down the coach this guy be on the coach man this guy be on auto that's what's crazy though is that even when auto wasn't in charge because dude they've had like <laughs> they've had like 10 coaches <laughs> in the last 10 years it doesn't matter the coaches just say we don't have depth are you I need you yeah that's what they say every coach has said basically the same thing that's why I'm so frustrated with this Ghanaian team if you could just give a smart coach a project say look build this team up for us we'll give you three years that I think would be the ideal Ghana because then you'd actually get a true team but every coach has so much pressure to immediately get results and if they don't it's curtains for him, bro. And that is exactly what has happened. I mean, I mean, Ryavec, the guy that actually brought them to that 2010 glory, he was the previous coach before Otto Addo. He went to the 2022 Africa Cup of Nations. They didn't win a single game. That's how bad this Ghana side is, bro. They didn't win a single game in AFCON. Yeah. And they, they crash out of the group stage with zero points. That is the African caliber type team that is going to be at this World Cup. And that is very concerning for me. And it's things like this where you just don't utilize Ayu correctly. It's things like this. And you'll see it throughout the pitch. Players, in my opinion, are not being maximized. They're playing out of position or they simply don't have the tools around them to succeed. And I think Ayu is a perfect example of that. Yeah, man. It really is so intriguing too because the names are not bad. Bro, no, they're not bad. I'm about to go over to Kudus, man, who's Please. at Ajax. I already highlighted him a little bit, but Jordan Ayu, Kudus, and Yaki Williams, bro. On yeah. paper, there should be something there. There should be something. And given the fact that they basically haven't played together yet, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> no, basically, there really is an opportunity for them to find form with each other as a cohesive unit at the World Cup. I'm just hoping that maybe something happens, bro. Something, because if you're Ghanaian, you're thinking the same thing. You're seeing how you performed so bad in AFCON and how you barely got through in qualification, and you got names to your fucking team, bro. Some really prominent names. 
Find that form, man. Yeah. Find it. It's do or die with this team. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest talking points for Ghana because if they don't find it, bro, there won't be anything up yeah. front for them to work with throughout the whole tournament. Yeah. Kudus as a shining light for Ghana is a really good point because I agree. I think Mohamed Kudus has the ability here to actually shine at the World Cup, not just individually, but to actually help his team. Kudus right now at Ajax is improving basically every game. I remember seeing him come onto the scene as a teenager for Ajax like two, maybe maybe it was three years ago, and there was a lot of raw talent. You can immediately see Kudus had a lot of ability on the ball, and he's a penetrator. At the end of the day, he loved to dribble, and he is a very good dribbler, but his output as far as crossing or making the right pass or even just holding the ball for the greater good of the team, he wouldn't do it. He was just, get the ball and go. Over these last couple of seasons, I think Kudus has actually gotten to be a smarter player. His IQ has increased out on that pitch, and especially this season, in this 2022-2023 season for Ajax, I see a different Kudus, man. I see him still as a good penetrator and a good ball handler, but his decision-making has been a lot better, man. Yes, obviously Ajax in general have had a weird Champions League, yeah. but... I think from an individual point of view, Kudus in my mind has played very, very well. His hold of play is a lot better and he's way more willing to lay the ball off and make a run or lay the ball off to a midfielder just to hold on to possession. And then from there, a better play can build. I didn't see that from Kudus even a year ago. It was more of just he's an out and out winger and his sole goal was to attack. But now he's kind of being a more complete forward. And so if he can do that for Ghana, I actually think that can be very, very fruitful. But I'm gonna keep that weird theme of if this is Ghana Kudus, mm. then his only main objective is to get the ball and penetrate. And I would hate that. If he can be smart about it, maybe Otto's like, look, man, play the way you're playing for Ajax, roam a little bit, get the ball, be patient. Then I think Ghana could be very successful. But I have no idea if that's going to happen. If it does, though, Ghana will reap the immense benefits from Kudus's play alone. And then talking about Inaki Williams, I do want to say one last thing on him. It is crazy to me. It is crazy to me that he has not gotten a single call-up for Spain. That, that's insane. The track record that he has had for Athletic Bilbao in La Liga for the last eight years, however long it's been, at a young age coming through Athletic and being a mainstay forward for this Bilbao team, how does he not yeah. get one game? Yeah. Just one. Like, how has, how has Luis Enrique not been, like, in a random friendly or in a random Nations League game, just being like, all right, Williams, I'll, I'll play for 10, just come off the bench for 10 minutes. He hasn't even done that, bro. He has not played a single competitive second for Spain, and that boggles my mind. So I say, fuck it. I'm glad that he's decided to go with his Ghanaian roots, rediscover where he came from, <laughs> get closer to his ancestors, because we'll actually get to see a good footballer out on this stage, and we wouldn't have Dudu Enrique just never picking yeah, Williams. Well, yeah. And I absolutely, it's shocking. It, it's shocking. It, shocking. I am so shocked. But I'm glad that Ghana now have this. My only worry is, I mean, he's played one time. He played one time literally a month ago in that September window, and that's it. There's no chemistry 
built whatsoever. It's nobody's fault. It's just unfortunate, in my opinion. To so much so that I'm curious to see who Otto is going to go with. Skill-wise, you have to start Williams. But based off of who has played more in this number nine position for Ghana, it's been Felix Gian, bro. And that... <laughs> That is a weird decision if he ends up going with it because this club form has been non-existent, essentially. With Cremonese, the worst team in Serie A, and he's barely getting any bench minutes, man. I don't think he has... Maybe he has one goal. I don't even think he has that, actually. And so if he were to start for Ghana, it would just simply be because he's 19 and he's young mm -hmm. and he's just going to be an X factor. I don't like it. I would rather start a player like Iñaki Williams, but again, I just wonder what Adu values more. Does he value that experience that Gian has for Ghana, or does he just go with sheer quality and what Williams could provide? Very curious to see who he's going to go with in that specific position. Yeah, this offense is a conundrum. There's a lot to be figured out here. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be figured I, out. I don't know. I don't know if there really is a combination that can lead to success in the sense of being able to get you out of the group. I don't know if that exists there's some notable names, but I just for me, it's the mix. For me, it's the mix and the way that they're playing, the style of it that really concerns me. So regardless, because of it being such a prominent question, I'm excited to see it play out. Like, I'm excited to see if Ghana completely loses control and doesn't know how the hell to create a goal. <laughs> yeah. Or if Iñaki Williams just has the tournament of his life, a complete fuck you to Spain yeah. and goes the fuck off. Like, I really am curious now, but I think it builds up this Ghanaian offense for me. Now, I don't know how Otto is approaching the defense, bro. I really don't know, but I know that if I was the coach, bro, I would be looking over at Salisu right now and Amarte and saying, you're going to be working overtime for me, boys. <laughs> I'm going to need you guys staying late nights. Yeah. And I'm going to need you here early in the morning, too. You boys are going to be working hard come this World Cup because they're in a tough group that is filled with nothing but offensive prowess, bro. Mm. Nothing but offensive prowess. Thing is... One of the shining spots in, in Ghana's team is that they do have two, I would argue, quality center backs. Yeah. Amarte, who's at Leicester. Yes, Leicester isn't playing that well, but they're starting to recuperate a little bit. Starting to do a little bit better now, thank God. But Amarte, regardless, is in a Premier League team that can oftentimes be known for their scouting. And so yeah. I think Amarte is a really good talent. Likewise, Salisu is at Southampton right now playing Premier League football as well, bro. So you're telling me that Ghana has two Premier League center backs starting for them? Regardless of quality, regardless of form, I'll always take yes. the sentence, two starting Premier League center backs. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll take it, man. Yes. I'll take it. And with the way that we're talking about the rest of this team, it, sh it sounds like it's one of the highlights of what Ghana has to offer. Completely agree. Yes, they both play for Leicester and Southampton, respectively, Amarte and Salisu. But you said it perfectly. They are the starting center backs for their respective clubs. They're not in rotation. They don't just get bench minutes. They are the go-to center backs as far as coaching decisions are concerned. And I think that actually means something because at the end of the day, if the coach doesn't have trust in you to defend for 90 minutes against Premier League caliber sides, you're not playing, brother. You're not gonna play. And Amarte, and Salisu play every single minute for both of their clubs. I actually do think that means a lot. And so when you do isolate these two center back positions for Ghana, I actually think there's a lot of quality here. And honestly, 
actually a good amount of assurance too. Salisu's having an incredible season simply from an individual defensive point of view. Southampton as a whole, I think, struggled to score a lot, which is why I think they're just doing poorly in the Premier League. But the reason why they're not just leaking goals, I think, is actually because of Mohamed Salisu. His defense this year has been big, bro. He's a big man, and he's a very good defender. But I also can't ignore the fact, bro, that he just started playing for Ghana, too. You know what's crazy about this one? is uh, Williams, I can understand, because Iñaki Williams was Spanish. He was yeah. born and raised in Spain. His father was Ghanaian, right? Salisu, born in Ghana, I think raised there for to a certain extent before he ended ended up moving to England, but he refused call-ups year in, year out. This guy. This guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, Otto Otto comes in, and in July of this year, he's like, Salusu, bro, like, we need you, man. Do you want to play for us, yes or no? And he finally says yes. And it's just like, but, but again, I'm going to go back to this idea. How do you build chemistry at the back? Imagine if Salisu had been leading this line for the last two, three years yeah, for Ghana. Yeah. It's a completely different story as far as the team you end up getting as the product here in this World Cup. Skill-wise, yes, Salisu has to start. But man, like that just rubs me the wrong way. A backup center back that actually has been receiving call-ups and has been playing when Salisu has rejected the call-ups, Alexander Jiku. Jiku playing for Strasbourg right now in France. And like Amorte Ansalisu, he is a starting center back in League One, a top league. Yes, he's not with an incredible team, but he is the go-to center back for his respective club. Whether Salisu is not yet acclimated into that back line yet, then I would actually be okay if Jiku starts alongside Amorte. I think Amorte is the go-to center back because he has the most caps out of the three center backs. And I think Jiku would pair alongside him simply because he has been playing a little bit more than Salisu. I mean, Salisu, again, only has a few caps to his name for Ghana. From a skill perspective, it would be Salisu and Amarte. Curious to see, once again, who Otto goes with. There's so many things for Otto to figure out, bro. And we are two weeks away. <laughs> Going out to right back for Ghana, you actually have a player who's playing for the best team in Belgium. Dennis Odoi. What's crazy about Odoi is that he's actually born and raised in Belgium. And he too, another one. Another one. And he too <laughs> just decided to play for Ghana. Dude, all these players are settling for Ghana. How They're does Ghana settling, feel about that, man? I, I know, bro. There's no pride there. There's no pride. It's the opposite of Uruguay, man. <laughs> There's zero pride. These guys are like, oh, I guess I'll. I guess I'll put on the Ghanaian jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Yeah, no, and Odoi's dream was to play for Belgium. He criticized Mark Wilmots when he was at the helm because he wow. never picked him. And now finally he has a chance to go to World Cup through through Ghana. So Ghana are gonna use that. Otto Otto's definitely gonna take it. But again, I mean, how do you build chemistry if he's barely played? I don't know. From a skill perspective, yeah, he's a he's a good fullback. He's very experienced. I think he's 30. 31, 32 years of age. So he definitely has the experience playing in Belgium and playing very well right now. The, the influx of players that Ghana have recently gotten over the last 12 months is just intriguing to say the least. Whether it amounts to anything, I have no idea. I'm inclined to say no at the end of the day. Well, I mean, another one, the goalkeeper in between the sticks, Joe Wallacott. British, born and raised Don't in say that, <laughs> God damn it, born and raised in England, and I think he made it. He made his first appearance for Ghana at least nine months ago in the Afcon. 
At least, okay. at least. Okay. So he's been he's been in the system slightly longer. But other than that, Ghana don't really have any other goalkeeper that they look like they're going to start. Yeah. So I think Walakot's going to be that starting goalkeeper for Ghana. So there's a lot of quality here. These players play at a very high level for their respective clubs. As a Ghanaian team, there's just, in my opinion, no real chemistry. Even if you look at like in Australia, who we just did an analysis on, they may have less quality than Ghana, but because of that Australian grit, because there is a little bit more cohesiveness, mm -hmm. they might have a better tournament than Ghana, bro. Yeah. This is this is fraudulent, man. I'm seeing frauds, bro. I'm not seeing real Ghanaians, man. It's frustrating. It's a little weird. It is frustrating, man. Yeah. And it, it pisses me off because I actually don't care if you're a mercenary and you utilize your ancestry. I actually do not mind that at all because at the end of the day, if your parents are from a different country, you still live that culture through your parents. And I think you are a part of that culture. That isn't what's bothering me. It's the fact that they all decided to do it months yeah. before the World yeah. Cup. Very Make tiny. these decisions two years ago. Yep. Make these decisions before the AFCON so you can build a team, work, work in training, build some chemistry, have a good AFCON, take that confidence into a good World Cup. That, but no, you- that, yeah, That's what makes me know that they, they're like, kind of like, bamboozling and settling for this shit because it's if they had not qualified for the World Cup, they wouldn't be doing this, bro. The, they would not be doing this, man. Oh my this God. is sly, man. This, this is, is sly. This, I'm telling you, this is why I'm just like, bro, Ghanaians, I need to know y'all's thoughts, man. Yeah, I would love I to. I need to know y'all's thoughts on this team, the way the team is shaping up because that's very, very deceitful. <laughs> <laughs> but now we've analyzed the team. Now that we looked at the scope of Ghana, Overall, let's talk about predictions and how we see this team playing out at the World Cup at the end of the day. Please. They're in Group H with Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea. Do I see them making it out of this group, brother? Brother, 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 brother. No, I do not. <laughs> I do not. I think Ghana gets fourth place. I think they have fourth place team written all over them because when you look at potential teams that could vie for that fourth place spot, like in a South Korea, I still think there's way more to offer from a South Korean squad than what I'm seeing from a Ghanaian team. Their qualification cycle for Ghana was very disappointing for me and did just barely what needed to be done in order to qualify. I'm not seeing much positivity and optimism here. And so I have Ghana ending up in fourth place. I hope Thomas Partey has a really good tournament. At the very least, I think he deserves to be around a good team. There's a lot of quality in this team, like we said, individually. I hope Mohamed Kudus has a really good tournament. If he does, maybe, maybe it propels him to actually get a big signing maybe next summer from Ajax to maybe a bigger team, you know? We've seen it happen before with the World Cup. can almost be like a marketplace your value could definitely skyrocket simply from really good performances. So I hope these Ghanaian players try to take that opportunity because there is class in this team. But I just, I just hate in the manner that they've gone about this qualification cycle as far as squad selection is concerned. The lack of chemistry in this team definitely worries me. So much so that I have Ghana finishing fourth place in their group. And that is Ghana, folks. Thank you so much for watching. Please let us know what do you guys think about this team and make sure to comment, like, and subscribe to stay updated with us as we continue releasing more World Cup deep dives. We still got a few more to go, man. So we'll see you guys soon. Until next time, guys. Peace. Peace.